What is up, guys? Christopher Stalla, you know me as Ferran Takes Honless. Welcome to Chronicles of this Campfire. Joining me is a couple members of the Stumble Crew, but only a couple this time. And we're going to be sitting down and discussing what you saw in episode, or listened to in episode three. But where did the horses come from? First and foremost, our actual deviant half-elf, Eowyn. Everybody, UA Blacklings here playing as the self-proclaimed sexual half-elf win. <laughs> the man who is obsessed with the color Grack, Xavier. <laughs> uh, that would be Blaine, sir. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, Z Xavier Zeus, uh, Christopher Rudder, uh, uh, what's your effing binge? But uh, I'm I'm focused on the game right now. I'm really proud of this new fucking color. <laughs> if you give him a minute to go get a step stool, he'll bring it back and slap the taste out your mouth, Mugsy. <laughs> Who wants to know? <laughs> that looks like we're getting joined by a surprise that, character. That, that was a good one. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> Going, guys. <laughs> I, I I couldn't resist that. It's like I'm giving everybody else one. What can I give Muggsy? It's like if you give him a minute to grab a <laughs> grab a step stool and he smack the taste out your mouth. <laughs> All right, so here we it are. It works. Episode three has just yeah. dropped. Everybody's checked it out. We've been we've been chomping at the bit uh, with this with this first uh, three episodes to talk about everything that has happened, and. You know, happening to keep our mouths shut for spoilers and everything. But now, as when this episode releases, episode three will have dropped. Everybody should have heard it by now. If not, spoilers. Go check out the episode before you listen to this podcast. How are we feeling, guys? The first, the first three episodes are out. How do we feel the story's gone so far? So far? Well, I would say that... Go on, Muggsy. So far... I think my prediction about, uh, I think in the first camp, campfire was about right. Of uh, It's going to be a glorious clusterfuck. <laughs> Hashtag stumble crew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so b before we actually dive into this real quickly, I think we need to come up with a different name than stumble crew. Because I, I finished listening to the first campfire because I wasn't able to be a part of it. And I like the idea of calling us the Chaos Crew because I think we're going to be more about, in general, randomized chaos than drunken antics. I'll tell you why I'm against it. And then, you know what? Oh, I'm going to make sure there's... there's... I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I'm against it. And this is the Go only ahead, reason I'm against it. Is okay. chaos kind of dictates evil. Anarchy. Like, we're out to destroy. And... In the first season, Stumble Crew, even though they were doing bad things, didn't know they were doing bad. That that was never their, their motivation, their focus. But, of course, that that's in the hands of the listeners. I think it's something that should be voted on by them. They came up with Stumble Crew to begin with. So they should be the ones that, you know, if, if this new crew gets a new name, I think it's them that names us. So just like with Stumble Crew, I'll go. Then we need to initiate a vote. Yes, we do. Well, I, not only do we need a vote, I, I, th I think it should be more of a post of, like, what would you name this crew? Like, we, d we don't have to put, like, Chaos Crew and Stumble Crew, and that's the only choice. Is it's, you got a, a name for us. 
short we'll stops. The short stops. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be just. I think that would be most appropriate. Just Bugsy. Let let them name this crew. You know. Okay. Um, that's just my thought. I mean process. that that's how you guys got the name Stumble Crew the first time. So I mean, why not? Let's do that for. The new rendition. Look, you know how Stumble Crew came about? I'll tell you how Stumble Crew, uh, Crew came about. It was episode three of season one. It's ironic we're on season two, episode three, that I'm talking about this. And uh, when we first meet Billy Knowles, the bard, and to quietly slip out of the tavern without having anybody follow us when we first got one of the first uh, rune stones, Billy and Ferran came up with this idea of acting like they were drunk to leave the bar so nobody would take notice to them, acting like they were belligerently drunk. And so we put our arms around each other and proclaimed that we were going on a stumble quest, which wound up being the whole first season. And people took to that so much that we became known as the Stumble Crew. You know what? (laughs) Hearing that now... I am 100% behind you in wishing we could go back to episode one and change what you said from I'm going to make this right to I'm going on a stumble quest. That's why I was so mad that I didn't do it when I when when I had when <laughs> when we tried to have Ferran have that moment where, you know, he's touching the hurdy gurdy and the uh, the medallion that belonged to his sister. And instead of saying I'm going to make this right, it should have been. Sorry, guys, I'm going on a stumble quest. You know, because it would have been more fit, fitting and, and continuity purpose, but eh, it's canon now. It's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> but enough, enough about Ferran. Ferran. Ferran's had his time in the sun. These three episodes have been basically Ferran's. I want to know you guys. Like, we, we've dug in in the past couple campfires. We've dug into Muggsy pretty well. But I still don't know all that much about Eowyn and Xavier. So, and I don't think our, our audience really does either. And I'm, I'm hoping in the coming episodes, which we record tonight, uh, as of this recording, we record tonight on Anchor, or, uh, yeah, Anchor, on Twitch.tv. So, I'm hoping we get to see more of your guys' characters, and I personally want to learn more about them. So, I'll start with Chris, because he's had the least amount of time to be able to speak. And telling us more about Xavier and his motivations. And without spoiling too much of the backstory, maybe some of his experiences that made him how we are going to get to know him. Yeah, uh, the only question I have before I start in the uh, canon that exists, is there a known or legendary land where the High Elves come from? Well, I mean, all of us, all elves came from the Fey Wild at some point or another. We're all Fey ancestry, but as far as right. as far as uh, the, the the like geographical, time, is there a location and relevance to where we are right now? I'm not the one to answer that. That would be uh, that would be the DM because as, as I explained as I explained to Anvil when he took over DM roles, uh, this world was originally created by our first DM. And right. so far, yeah. we've only explored one small square of a complete planet, if you will. So it's an, as, open, cool. it's an open as I have that, that, as that I, helps me a lot. As I have right, proven, I got you. Anvil's pretty willing to yes and. Um, just ask yeah. Frankie, the uh, bouncer troll. 
<laughs> troll. I think it was a troll. <laughs> well, that that's exactly it. Okay, I'm, pretty, so, I'm pretty sure he would go with it if he came up with a story like that because it, it helps yeah. paint the world a lot more. Because like I said, with Anvil, one of, the, one of the perks to him taking over DM responsibilities was knowing that he's got a blank canvas world to work with. Okay. All right, yeah, so um, Xavier comes from uh, the very uh, farthest northern reaches of where the elves come from, especially the high elves. They're very secular. They stay away from humanity and everything else that's going on. They kind of stay to themselves. And uh, so um, we're so far north, we're almost as much Nordic as we are elves. So for an elf, I'm very large. I'm like 6'3", 200. 10 pounds, dressed in plate mail with a cow, and uh, I stay I stay in the background a lot. Um, I don't really interject until it seems like it might be fun if I do so, and uh, before I do, I give myself usually an either-or option and flip a coin, and I come in based on what the law of chaos has told me to do. So I'm very lawful chaotic. Anything that I... That, uh, gives me the opportunity to do a chaotic action or to do go against the grain, I give myself the opportunity to do that just to see what the fuck I happen. Well, that, that's interesting because there's a couple of things that, that come to mind uh, of the, the, the small interactions that uh, Xavier has done so far in these episodes. Uh, one, he seems very, very connected to Ferran in a way. Uh, every time Ferran has done or, or he's a follower. He's a follower. Uh, well, what, yeah, what motivated he's a follower. Him, with, with being uh, a, a far northern elf, for lack of a better term here, mm -hmm. what made him, with, with his, his race being so so uh, introverted, what made him leave his, his hometown and, and explore the rest of the, the, the Lost Realm? Yeah, so that's where it gets interesting for him. So um, in his um, village, if you will, or you know uh, whatever the realm of the uh, the high elves that he lived in, uh, he had an affair, and so he was actually banned from where he uh, comes from, and he lived 180 years, like any other high elf who stays completely away from the rest of civilization and ignores what's going on with the rest of the world. So in a way, he's naive and very impressionable. At the same time, he's not someone to fuck with, and he does have his own mindset. So it's a, it's a, uh, it's a weird contradiction of things that you'll see happening. He'll attach to one person and annoy another or try to hook up with somebody, you know, try to become friends or whatever, but be so overbearing because he doesn't know, civil, you know, how to be civilized or whatever he's very blunt or he's very overt with stuff um, or he's just very over the top and just overbearing because he doesn't know social boundaries would it be uh, would it be spoilerish to ask what his connection to the coin is because I get a very uh, two-face uh, vibe from from his need to flip a coin to decide chaos or, or justice if you will yeah, so whenever he ventured away from uh, from his village, he uh, did go on a couple of adventures, and one of them he ran afoul of um, uh, some very extra-large spiders, and he was able to find a treasure chest, and the only thing he has left, because he likes to whore, 
the only thing he has left is one gold coin. It was the first gold coin he found in the chest that he won against these spiders. It wasn't a big spoil. It was just, you know, like maybe a hundred gold pieces. But by the time he's traveled south and reached up with the group, uh, he has pretty much spent all of it uh, whoring his way through and trying to live extravagantly, but uh, balling on a budget. And that's the last thing that he has left. So he has marked it actually almost like Two-Face. One side is marked, the other side is the head. And that's what you always see him flip. And it's an oversized coin. It's from a. It, it's a very old relic. It doesn't even actually have any. It, it doesn't have any relevance in in the coin of the realm, so to speak. It doesn't match up with anything. So it's obviously very old. So he's kept it uh, all this time. I thanks for that. I I think I have a name to submit. Um, instead of <laughs> instead of the uh, chaos crew, the chaotic ballers. <laughs> Wait, say that one more time. The chaotic ballers. The chaos ballers. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, you think about it. You have Xavier living the the uh, balling on a budget, and uh-huh. and, and almost everybody has a chaotic background to to their character arc. But then you also tack in, you know, Eowyn's behavior <laughs> at the pit. <laughs> Again, a balling status, even though he haggled his price. Um, <laughs> never knew an elf that was Jewish. Um, <laughs> 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 Oy vey. But, uh, you know. It, always it almost, always looking like, for a consumer deal. Yeah. <laughs> so it almost, it almost seems like that would be a fit for this crew. But, you know, again, it's up for, it's up for vote. <laughs> so anyway. Um, Here's a question for everybody here, uh, and then we'll get in more into Aowen and, and seeing more of the, the character perspective of Aowen beyond what we've learned so far. <laughs> what what Yui really wants the character to be known as. Uh, <clears throat> with, uh, with your characters and with this current group, and of course, uh, come episode four, we are adding another member. Spoilers, we don't know anything about him yet either. Um, <laughs> who do you think are the characters are going to most gravitate to within the group? Like, uh, even, even within a large group as this, there's usually, uh, I don't want to say factions, but like like high school, like the jocks would hang with the jocks and the geeks would hang with the geeks and it, it, this type of deal. Within this group, who do you think is going to more buddy up with who? Or more specifically... <laughs> Who who do you think your character is most likely to gravitate and become close to? I think since I almost tried to take off Muggsy's head and he stood there and was like, hey, <laughs> I think somehow or another like we're going to have like a kinship. He's going to see I'm crazy and I'm going to see he's ballsy and we're going to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I can work with that. <laughs> So, Muggsy, that's your answer, too? Um, it, it was either going to be you or it was either going to be Xavier or Faroon, um, depending on how things rolled, um, just because I think you guys are going to be the ones that are going to understand his twisted version of logic. Because... Um, uh, 
you guys, you guys have all mentioned your problems. Obviously, Muggsy's problem is he takes mob solutions to everyday problems. <laughs> um, and so... But there is no mafioso. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think you guys are, are going to be somehow... The, the person who seems to get his solution the best is probably going to be the one he hangs out with the most. And I'm guessing that's going to be Xavier. The weird say, thing about Xavier is is that he's very pragmatic. So no matter how wild the the scene is that's going on or whatever's going on, like he's works, always trying to. Yeah, he's he's always just throwing in there based on the whim of whatever the coin tells him to do, and like you know just to fuck with it, he might he might throw. Um, he, he might throw instead of cure. He might still. He might throw inflict wounds into the group just to see what the fuck will happen, and then act like nothing happened. So you know, I mean, he's <laughs> he's always willing to do that, but he's also always looking at like a couple steps ahead. Only if this happens, that happens. Like he's always he's always going to seem like he had he's planned on whatever happened, even though it's totally by choice or totally by chance. Yeah, I, I, when 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 Muggsy was saying uh, saying that it would either be Ferran or or Xavier, I was my first thought was Xavier because <laughs> depending on the, the yeah. just depending on the time of of Ferran, Ferran, chaotic good character. He he deep down past this this uh, PTSD, you know he's he's a ranger mm-hmm. who who believes in doing the right thing. He'll he'll do it by his way, but he believes in doing the right thing. I could see a mafioso style mentality kind of against that grain. Clashing with that a wee bit? Clashing with that a wee bit. Um, but Xavier, tr- on the other hand... <laughs> yeah, but he since he... He's uh, trying to be better. It, and since he, he stood up uh, to me and uh, like we were able to reach a mutual decision and kind of like drop weapons or whatever, then like since we had that eye-to-eye moment, like I'm always going to be... like Until he fucks, fucks up, I'm always going to probably have his back so that's probably why we're going to end up being pretty pretty connected i guess right on i think it's interesting yui what do you think i think it's mugsy's two uh, potential best friends people that tried to harm him in some way when they first met <laughs> i mean well makes first sense off First off, I think you better start getting my name right because our next person coming in is your main poke person, so you don't have to pick on me anymore. <laughs> hey, 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 the guy coming in the guy coming into play, which we could spoil that. That we could spoil. It's uh Mr. Anthony Anthem from Delivery Brothers. He's coming in and joining the game. Uh he's gonna I can't wait to see his fucking character. This is gonna be great. It's gonna be a blast. It's gonna it's gonna be fun. But in his defense, he's he's my he's my whipping boy on After Hours. You're my whipping boy on Chronicles of the Lost Realm. <laughs> oh damn! I can't I can't. Pick you guys on do him realize we're we're gonna have to get. You do realize we're gonna have to give Anthony like twenty minutes of like you know he's gonna have to like like get a, get over. So we're gonna have to give him about twenty minutes to do his thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know that that that's gonna be that's gonna be before the actual announcement of "Hey, welcome to Chronicles of the Lost Realm." Just to let him get in his all his AKAs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, uh, 
did I get your name wrong? I thought it was Aowen, right? Well, yeah, my character name is Aowen. You keep calling me Yui, not UA. You know why? Because I'm a Dune fan. And when I see Y U E, oh, I Jesus. see Yui. So yeah, UA, excuse me. So yeah, it was UA. Uh, um is that not an interesting little your... dynamic? <laughs> it's okay, it's fine. Uh to answer your question, I feel like my character is actually going to form a little bit of a kinship more with Ferran. Because as we find out in episode three, he's got a little bit of a vendetta going against Baba Yaga. And I actually sat down and talked with two of our other players, Io and Aqua, while we were doing the second campfire. We were IMing each other. And we came up with a really, really good reason for why Awen is the way he is right now. And I'm not going to get into it because it's going to be really, really deep and interesting. But it's very similar to what Ferran has gone through. So I feel like Awen and Ferran are going to hopefully find some level ground to be able to stand next to each other and say, okay, I dig you, you dig me, let's kick this bitch's ass. I'm not going to suck out a six of your soul for four gold pieces. Just to let you know. Well, good. I I don't want you to touch me at all. Let go of my ears. I know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, that that's that's interesting. Now, the only question I have to that is, have you ran it by Anvil to make sure he could fit it into his story arc? Not yet. I will be messaging him later, but it sh it shouldn't be too terribly difficult to incorporate in. All right, great. Um. So yeah, I mean, with the with the story arcs, and, and again, I'm, I'm I'm laughing at Muggsy. My two best friends is the guy who tried to hang me from a tree by my underwear, and the other guy who tried to take my head off with a mace. He he's got a little uh, you know S and M to him, doesn't he? No, what, what? he just understands <laughs> those responses. <laughs> we speak his language exactly <laughs> the, the people who try to get get rough he gets that I know how to deal with that it's everybody else who tries to use magic and shit that don't make sense so just for uh, out of curiosity sake since we haven't seen it yet but we haven't really given a full description during the show of what we look like walking around whenever we're playing the game if you were to draw your weapons, what what do we see? Like, because I'm carrying a Morning Star and a Warhammer, but they're both undersized, so I'm able to two hand operate them. I operate both of them at the same time. One is called the Art of Warhammer, and the other one is the Morning Morning Star of Glory, and they're bleen as well. So, um, <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> So while they're twirling, they go from black to green, black to green. It's like one of those uh, uh, blankets you get at the uh, carnival where it looks black, but if you rub your hand across it, it turns green. It's like that. All of the shit that I'm wearing is like that all the time. So, so, so wait, your, yeah. your, your war hammers have sequins on them, like those pillows that you uh, go from gold yes. to silver? Yes. <laughs> but it's not the felt oh, shit. no. You have it's not the felt shit. Remember, I'm... Yeah, it, it's not the, the dazzled, felt shit. Sorry. Remember, I'm... I'm 
I'm, I'm Elvin, so it's imbued into the metal. So it, it's part of the. It's not a fabric. It's it's just the way the metal works. That's the. It, there's no magical properties to anything I wear other than that color I invented, which is really cool. Okay. So Muggsy fights. <laughs> First off, Muggsy fights with a short sword and a uh, spiked knuckles. No. <laughs> I have expected. Um, a, I have expected a semi-automatic crossbow for getting. So you you punch and you punch and stab. That's cool. The short swords in his offhand. The spike knuckles are in his uh, right. in his left hand because he's left-handed. And so uh, you set, fight you're really setting up the jab with the Yeah, that's cool. Because <laughs> uh, he's rogue barbarian. So yes, I will sneak attack while raging. Wait, I just want to give I just want to give that second for our listeners to, to take take that in. The mafioso style halfling is a rogue barbarian. Just take yep. a moment to, to absorb that. And a soldier. He's a hitman. He's <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Screw Aqua's chaos table. Muggsy's gonna be the one that kills us all. <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna start the fight that kills us all probably. Exactly. I'm sorry. He's a professional. You guys will start the fight. He'll finish. Yeah. It. It'll probably be me. That, <laughs> it'll probably be, probably be me that starts the fight that almost kills all of us. Look, look, look. It's very simple around Muggsy. Just don't drop down where you're about to die, and he's the only one with the healing potion because then you'll owe him a favor. <laughs> <laughs> well, same same could be said for Xavier because he's going to do a coin uh-huh. flip, and he's either going to heal you or he's going to be the one that gives you that one extra hit point yeah. of damage. Uh, I can protect you. I can protect you from death, or I can put you over the edge. Uh, that works for friends or enemies, depending has, on what the coin tells me. Has everybody here seen Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, the second one? Yes. We're, we're in the yeah. uh, the Quidditch match. Uh, Harry's arm gets broken, and uh, the 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 dark arts professor, who's like really in love with himself, comes and says, "I'll oh, fix it, Harry." And he kind of rubbers his arm. Yeah. Do you remember? You remember Harry's reaction when he <laughs> run up like, "I can take care of it." Yeah. The yeah. look of not you. Anybody yeah, right but you. you will. <laughs> not you. Anybody, anybody but you. you. I, yeah. I see. I see all of us having that reaction when we drop in the battlefield, and here comes Xavier. Like, I'll take care of it. Nope. No. <laughs> I can walk it off. Because well, <laughs> that's gonna happen at sometime after he heals someone for the first time, or, yeah, I'm or gonna, decides I'm, to I'm, murder someone for the first time, yeah, and then I'm, I'm, be I'm, like, I'm, no thanks. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. Uh, and the and the crazy thing is, is usually the paladins uh, help lead the charge. Like they're usually at the front, obviously, uh, it, uh, since they're able to battle as well as heal. But I usually lurk in the background, so I do it opposite all the way across the board. I, ca- I, I come from I come from behind in the battle instead of leading the charge, so I'm not like one of the lead uh, warriors. So yeah. So wait, we've got a front leg rogue and a back leg paladin. Back leg, yes, sir. Perfect. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. So... Wait, do we have any other frontline fighters? Well, I mean, I'm a ranger. I'm mid range. Rangers can vary. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're the uh, you're the head of the spear, bro. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I expected, but I was hoping somebody would be there with me. 
Well, no, no, I would, I would be there with him because Ferran's fighting style, like he carries a, a drow hand crossbow, which is basically a mini crossbow tied to his arm mm -hmm. for range that shoots darts. But really, he his primary weapons are his two short swords. He's okay. Uh, he's a two, oh, okay. two handed style. Cool. Muggsy's real good at fighting um, dirty and making opportunities for other people. <laughs> All right, what? I can uh, dig it. The reason that Xavier fights that way is because he was trained in the guard uh, from the village that he's from, and he didn't learn the arts of being a paladin until he was out on the road. So uh, wouldn't, he's uh, wouldn't guards be training line fighting? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, that's the reason I carry a Morning Star and uh, um, um, the axe. Uh, mm -hmm. But. Uh, I also found that fighting the spiders coming from the rear and sneaking attacking them uh, worked greatly to my advantage, so I've combined both of them. I'm a force to cut to be coming from behind, believe me, with two weapons flailing. That's cool. All right. I so wait a second. Every All of our melee characters are two-weapon fighters? Uh, well, sounds that way. So, sounds this that way, silly. yeah. No, no sword and shield, I guess. You know, but, uh... Not going to lie, this is silly, guys. <laughs> I do have a shield on. Option, but uh, I'm more prone to grab both both handles. Well, the reason for Ron is uh, ambidextrous two-handed fighting style is because his father was. And and the big thing about Ferran is he wanted to be his dad. Growing up, think about it this way: if if we're in an adventuring party and we're at this level, all of us are eighth level or whatever. That means you've spent some time going through some dungeons and fighting some shit. You're the top one percent of the world. So it's likely that there could be this many ambidextrous people together because you're the best of the best in your area. Muggsy's not ambidextrous. Straight up saying that. He is, I don't have two weapons cool fighting. He just uses All two right. weapons. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you're operating one at a dis disadvantage. That's cool. Um, it's not quite a disadvantage. You don't add your strength mod or your, uh, your ability gotcha. score to the offhand weapon. Okay. All right. Aelin. Yeah. What about you? What's your what's your weapons of choice? When you whip it out, what what do we see? Well this normally. <laughs> yeah. The succubus will tell us if you're lying. <laughs> Not the one handed option, but what are you actually using? <laughs> My bad, bro. No, it's fine. It's fine. Get your hits in now. Yeah, because at 7 o'clock we'll be getting our hits in again. Actually, <laughs> actually, things work out the way they work out. Anvil will be getting his hits in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, being a sorcerer, I have a combination of melee weapons and magic spells for range, which is why I said that he's a mid-range fighter. For the weapons, I'm equipped for primarily a quarterstaff with a dagger sheathed on my side at all times. So I I could either be up in the front with the. I mean, no offense, unless you're a very specifically built sorcerer. Mechanically wise, you probably don't want to be up in the front. Fair enough. The yeah. other things that I have are just a wild variety of spells, including a shield spell. So there is at least one shield somewhere in this mess. Well, since you're since you're a magic user, uh, I'll I'll start with you. Obviously within that book of spells is fireball. 
Fireball, I don't know if it's a sorcerer spell. I don't have Fireball, I have Firebolt. Ah, okay. Bit, big difference. Fireball is useful. Yeah. <laughs> now the, the Fireball it, is always a useful thing to have, but we have a wizard for that. <laughs> yeah, but we don't want him casting it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. I mean, depends on who you're asking. Muggsy doesn't want him casting it. I want him casting it because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was speaking as group members. But uh, Xavier, Xavier with, with the fact that you're a paladin, uh, paladins primarily are, are very uh, religious. They have smite slots, not spell slots. Right, but, but they're, they're, they're primarily religious. Does, does Xavier have a deity that he follows, that he's ordained by? Uh, yeah, it's a uh, god very similar to Ariok, if you're familiar with the uh, Elric series. I am not, but I'm sure our listeners might be. Not even a little bit. Oh, wow. Okay, so uh, Ariok is the lord of chaos. He believes in in blood and souls at all costs. That's uh, that's who my deity is. (laughs) Alrighty then. Read uh, read up on him uh, between episodes if uh, we get a chance for me to talk about him. Because Ariok is uh, quite brutal. What is this series? Uh, From the Elric of Melna Bonet series by Michael Moorcock. How do I spell any of that? The reason, the the reason Game of Thrones exists is because of Elric of Meldabone. It's E L R I C is his name. Uh, M E L N I B O N E is the name of Meldabone. And Michael Moorcock, Michael Moorcock is the author. Uh, Yeah, look him up. He's an albino. uh, He's the antithesis of Conan. Instead of being completely muscular and uh, crazy with the sword, he's an albino who can barely walk, but he uses magic and herbs and and the power of uh, his uh, demon sword, Stormbringer, uh, to power him through the world. And they're the last civilization that actually controls dragons. Like I said, we wouldn't have Game of Thrones if it wasn't for uh, Michael Moorcock and Elric. All right. Uh Cool. I need more things to read right now. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the most interesting series you could pick up. I promise you, if you get through the first book, you will not, you won't put it down until you finish all of them. You see, it's kind of right. funny. it's kind of funny. You mentioned you mentioned uh, fantasy books because when you were describing Xavier being a high elf and how the high elves were, first thing that popped in my mind was the Sylvanesti elves of the Dragonlance. Uh, series uh, which is modeled, which is modeled off of the Meldabonians, uh, the race that Elric is from. They're they're almost elf-like. They live on an island all to themselves. They're the last ones that are able to control dragons, and the last ones to really be able to master uh, magic as well. So yeah, that, it, it's 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 almost the same lines of what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. So that that was what came to mind when you said that, and uh, I was yeah. gonna keep quiet. Until that's what that's what my character is about. Now, as as we know, uh, the the Lost Realm. We're we're going to get into the episode, I promise. With with the Lost Realm being an open canvas, but also being known as kind of the center hub of the wheel of multiple realms. How excited are you though, the, of the prospect of the opening of the fact that we can go into established territories, uh, storyline wise, eventually, like finding ourselves in Faerun, which 
is where Ferran is from. He's, he's from the Forgotten Realm series, uh, or that world anyway. Um, or we any opportunity to be on ships or you know be on the open sea for any extended period of time, having having a a game revolve around that, I think it, it would be super awesome. Oh God, please tell me Aowen gets seasick. Uh, Aowen's never be been perfect. out on the open sea before, so I don't know. Oh, I There's know. a solid 50-50 shot that Muggsy does. Okay, <laughs> then I'm putting it out there right now because I know I know Anvil will listen to this episode. Anvil, I want you to flip a coin. Heads, it's Aowen. Tails, it's Muggsy. But one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be far funnier if it's Muggsy than if it's Aowen. I don't know. We I can, still we like the coin Aowen, flip. But... He won't. He, he oh, won't no, be able to reach the over the rail. Flip. <laughs> that, and and that's exactly the reason why. Yeah, but somebody timing to the side. Actually, actually, you know what? You're right. I think it has to be Muggsy because I I just remember when we started this episode and I made the uh, the step stool joke. Could you see him walking up to a deckhand, setting down a step stool, jumping up there, grabbing dude's fucking uh, Dixie cup hat, just appearing. <laughs> <laughs> see. Muggsy doesn't use a step stool. He brings everybody else down to the, down to his level, normally by shattering kneecaps. Jesus Christ! So, me. so then my question <laughs> is: If it turns out that you are the one who gets seasick, how are you going to blow the kneecaps out of the ship so you can puke? Just it has to be a hole Mug in the in the railing. <laughs> it has to be it, it has to be Muggsy who's seasick because he's too short to be able to stand over the rail and throw up when he needs to. <laughs> There you go, then. Some poor seaman just sitting there swabbing the deck. He fucking shatters a kneecap to drop him down on his hands and knees just so he can stand on top of him to reach over the rail. <laughs> Half the crew vanishes before we get there because Muggsy keeps throwing up. <laughs> then we go into a storm and Muggsy gets thrown over the side. And it's like, fuck, we got to pull him out again. <laughs> Turn the ship around. As you man. learned, Muggsy is harder to throw than you expected. Yeah, he's hard for me to throw. I don't think you're winning a fight against Mother Nature. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but then again, don't feel too proud of yourself. In the last season, I couldn't win a strength check against our freaking assassin elf either. Every time she said, I'm going to grab for to stop him that... from doing anything, she rolled higher than me every fucking time. <laughs> that was something that I absolutely lost my shit when I was listening to episode the first campfire we did uh, was the fact that apparently you can't do a straight, straight check for shit and in the three episodes that we've already done you've done two or three strength checks in that fight in episode two did you win any of them I mean I, I, I connected punches but as far as like actual grappling no no, for Franz, no good. No, he yeah. didn't. He, yeah, ironically, Muggsy actually took. That's the only reason I wasn't in there swinging was because Muggsy took you down to the ground. <laughs> for, ironically, ironically, the character played by a professional wrestler is no good at wrestling. Can't wrestle. <laughs> All right, so so here we here we are. We we reached a point. We've got to talk about the episode. Um, 
you know, where, where did these horses come from? Obviously, the group has finished in the pit. We had to wait on a certain somebody. Um, Only I, a few minutes. Iraq, ironically, it wasn't for Ron healing up after that little battle with the uh, Tiger Man, uh, Tony. Uh, <laughs> Tony's Tiger. And we made our back uh, way back to Varesh and the Lone Drow Bar and finding that the bar is no longer the way it was when we left it. Uh, now, ho hold on a second. I think you're missing one very important thing that happened before we got to the bar. We got to experience Aqua's chaos magic not affecting a spell, but also affects magical items. Yes, yes. His, 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 for lack of a better term, his, his hand at bad luck not only affects him, but magical items that he is in direct contact with, including his bag of infinite holding. <laughs> which I can see working well in certain situations, but shitty in almost every other situation. Again, not to use the Harry Potter reference, but nobody hand him the sorting hat. Deal. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, we discovered that, and he pulled out a portrait that uh, I'm imagining was, uh, in, in my viewpoint, I imagined a, a rectangle upright portrait of a storm giant with another rectangle hanging below it just enough to get the rest of what was supposed to be imaged in there <laughs> <laughs> so it almost looked like an ice cream popsicle in my in my imagination <laughs> <laughs> and uh Ironically enough, the pit decided they wanted to keep that and put it in one of the rooms. <laughs> you know, I, I stand by my statement that I made before. I wish to God that our DM had said that it was a female and not a male. Because I had the joke ready that it was a portrait of Faroon's... Or not Faroon. Um, Faroon. Thank you. Faroon's mother. And... If if he had said that it was female, I could have made that joke, and I we could have had that as a running gag the entire season long. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it is the modern age, even in the Lost Realm, so who is to say that wasn't Bruin's mother? Fair enough. Hey, I'm not judging. <laughs> and me neither. <laughs> But, uh, you know, neither, neither here nor there. So we, we get the box, and we made it back to Varesh, uneventful. You know, we, we went around the big pit, uh, which introduced us to our little buddy. Um, <clears throat> won't go there. And it introduced us to Muggsy. <laughs> so we, we make it back, and we find out that Perun, uh, along with Ferran's father, Nim, had decided to, for lack of a better term, redecorate. I wonder how much creative input Nim actually had. I am if if Anvil plays Nim the way I played him in Second Edition, I see Nim basically going, "I don't give a fuck. Go ahead." <laughs> <laughs> All right. I I, I see Ferran just standing there, like leaning against the like uh, a, a post or something like that, arms folded, going. 
you know what? We'll deal with it when he gets back. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because um, Nim knows. Nim knows how Ferran is, and especially with how Ferran is now. You know, so that, that that's the funny thing is Ferran's only 172 years old. To humans, he's, you know, mature, adults, you know, disciplined. But especially to somebody like, like, uh, like Nim or any other elf or, or long, long-lived uh, race, he's still a kid. He, he's just barely like, out of his teens. Yeah, no, it's from my understanding, he's probably in his early to mid-20s. Right, you know, he, he's, he's still For very... Elf. He's still very young and hot-tempered, you know, and unfortunately he's been in, th- entrusted into the role of leader that he's not really prepared for yet. And that's the crack in his armor, especially. Especially now, but especially. So that's the interesting dynamic, and that's why I see Nim going, you know what, it'd be hilarious. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, so there, there's been so many different weird things going on, like the fact that uh, there's now a stable, uh, the inn tavern has gone from four rooms to like 40 rooms. I'm afraid to know what happened to the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> there's a shed now. Storm giant things. Don't worry about it. Right. You know, there's a shed now that apparently has a blacksmithing station. Which yeah. I can see being useful. And there's rumor, although we didn't explore it yet, there's rumor that there's even a strip club. I think that's that's in the works still. <laughs> I think that rumor came from uh, a future thought of this. The end of the campaign, the bar will have at least one, if not several, stripper poles. Am, am I the only one in, envisioning that when, when we depart on this quest and we're gone for quite a while, when we come back to the Lone Drow, it's basically now fucking Disney World? <laughs> like, um, I'm so glad. I, I feel like it's going to be seedy Disney World. Yeah, it's going to be medieval debauchery Disney World, but like it's going to go from a small tavern to a fucking theme park. Okay. <laughs> All I'm going to say is... Thank God our DM is not in this episode right now, and we have to wait at least a week before he <laughs> listens to it. Because I guarantee you, and Dylan will back me up on this because he's known him longer than I have. Yeah. He, he will run with that. I've known Anvil since I was 16. Um, he runs with things. Even things nobody gave him. <laughs> well, I think that's part. I think that's part. He of just the fun. goes. I think that's part of the fun of his DM style is he will listen to to what we suggest for for the characters or for particular story arcs, but then he seems to have this wild imagination to just warp it. Go. Yeah, <laughs> to warp it. So it's, it's that storyline wise and story arc wise, it's going to be interesting, you know, to, to down the pike. But I think we're coming up to a to, to a portion that we're going to be uh, seeing for the first time is really his combative style. 
I mean, the DM's main job, besides telling the story, is to give us our adversaries to 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 fight. You know, it's not just it's not just acting. You know, we we've got to roll some dice too. So, yeah. How do you think this is gonna go? Because you know it's coming. Medium. I think, <laughs> I think he's presently trying to not do something that is immediately going to wipe the board because as he's mentioned this before it's his first time DMing he's incre- he was incredibly nervous going into episode 1 and after that the entire story portion of it he just ran with it perfectly but i think he's still a little bit worried about the combat aspect and trying to make sure that he doesn't put us up against something that is immediately going to be GG roll new characters. Now, I think so. I I've had I think once. With go him. on. I've had conversations with him, and I, I I try to instill in him that my point of view, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here. My point of view of a DM is you want the character to survive the encounter. And, you know, because you want the story to continue, obviously. You want the characters to continue through the story arc. Um, So as a DM, my own personal opinion, I always thought, like, I would flub uh, uh, roles or whatever to to help the characters succeed. However, I would punish stupid play. Like, obviously, if they're playing smart, I don't want to kill their character. If they're playing their characters right, I don't want to kill their character. If I overpowered something that was beyond their means then i will flub it down to help to help uh, balance that out however if you're just leroy jenkinsing into fifty thousand fucking cobalts i don't care they're level one cobalts they're gonna fuck you up and you were dumb enough to run in there alone <laughs> you know? how big is the room and how big can that person can leroy explode <laughs> there's some math that needs to be done in that question Right, but but basically, you know, the only time I would ever punish a character as a DM was uh, if they were not playing right, if they were not playing smart, if they were not paying yeah. attention and using their character to the best of their abilities. But if they're playing their character right, both in and outside of combat, the last thing in the world I want to do is kill their character because I want their character to progress throughout the story. I think Alex... So, from my experience with new DMs, they tend to go either underpowered initially, or they bring the party to the brink of death for the first couple of fights. Normally, things kind of balance out after a couple of fights, and they kind of figure out how to make that work. I've had DMs on both sides of that, where combats are continuously super easy, there's no tactic, tactics to it, so if you just think for 10 seconds about how to fight this, you can think of a tactic to just make the fight super easy, or DMs that every single fight brings you to the brink of death. Now, so I would rather easy combat. I would rather easy combat too, but I would almost expect us to come to those points in the first couple of combats, not just because of Anvil's inexperience as a DM, but... Uh... Our groups and experience of working together. Exactly. We don't know what we can all do. Or what each other can do. So we all assume we know the right tactic. So once we figured out how to make things work, I think it'll work out well. 
um, hopefully. <laughs> well, the, the major the major key, I think, is that uh, Anvil just needs to learn that balance. He's got to yes. learn that balance between challenge and and uh, evolution to the characters. As the characters get stronger, their challenges get stronger. And um, I think we have set him up with, at the very least, a good coach for that. Um, an armed bear, or my friend, is uh, very, very good at balancing combats. And I know I have those two talking about D about DMing things. So hopefully he has a good... He'll get a sense of how to balance a uh, fight. Or if he can't, Alex, ask, ask an armed bear how to balance a fight. He's real good at it. <laughs> See, I, we we still got to get an armed bear in on the uh, on an episode. We got we got to NPC him as our first patron. We we've got to uh, we've got to bring him in. He he doesn't need it. I've talked to him about it. Um, if we do it, we're doing it for ourselves, and he maybe will have fun. Well, that's the main goal, you know. We, yeah. I want to, I want to thank him for 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 uh, for you know everything he's done, not only helping the DM but just supporting the show and everything. But also, I want him to have fun with it. I, he seems like he enjoys this world that that we bring him, uh, you know, every week. So hopefully, you know, it'd be nice to have him part of the canon in some way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can't just have the two fucking salespeople that the sock drawer brought us in episode one, which that's fair. By I mean, by the way, are we have we seen the last of them? Probably not. Almost definitely not. <laughs> At least I hope we haven't, because I want to try to buy something from that girl. <laughs> I imagine like all right, all right. I don't think she's that kind of girl. No, no, oh, for fuck's sake. You never know what she'll pull out of that bag. I'm sorry. <laughs> you and I had to. No, that's fine. That was a good one. <laughs> uh, I would almost imagine, like, if if Lost Realm was a video game, those two would be the ones that appear right before a major dungeon or something. Hey, you want to buy some What are you buying, stranger? Yeah. <laughs> the traveling merchants that just appear randomly. Hey, you need some healing potions? Or a chair, or a stable, or a dunk bent, uh, uh, a dunk tank. <laughs> How about some new dice? <laughs> Very meta. Just wait until nope. someone asks for explosives, and some they Anvil doesn't catch it before they yes and. <laughs> oh. well, that, that's an interesting concept. I don't know if gunpowder has been discovered in this realm. I've uh, I have broken or I have seen a party break a DM's plans because he didn't realize how many mining charges he gave us. Again, one of my one of my favorite memories from season one was the uh, the episode that was our mid season finale where we're about ready to leave the Feywood and uh, we it gets bombarded by Queen uh, a legion of Queen's hands and a. Uh, a titan in gold armor with a mirror helm, which kind of, you know, was the uh, MacGuffin that started this whole entire adventure. 
and we left it on a cliffhanger for like two, three weeks, thinking that we're going to have mm-hmm. this epic battle when we come back and everything else. So we come back to the episode a couple weeks later. We sit down to make the play. Uh, Billy Knowles and, and Ferran get their swords out. They're ready to go to town. We're ready for initiative. And then Hillman pushes between us and says, fireball and crit rolls. <laughs> Yikes. Wiped out everything, wiped out everything, including the Titan, and poor Ray, the DM, he's just sitting there like, well fuck, now I don't know what to do for the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this I'll, is why you uh, always learn fireball. That, that's why I was laughing my ass off because like you don't know what you're gonna do. Can you imagine how pissed off our listeners are right now? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite memories was that because all of us were just standing there like, really? <laughs> oh lord. But uh, yeah, so you know. Obviously, we we were uh, we were told by Perun. Uh, besides the besides the uh, condition of the bar, we were told that uh, to to go after this white dragon, which Aowen and and Ferran especially have a uh, a grudge against. Uh, we're gonna need three specific artifacts, like uh, a sword and and I, some other items that I don't think were necessarily named, at least memory wise. I think the first item was a sword, but the other two is we have to discover. Am I correct on that? I can't remember. No, that's what I'm going to go off of. You can correct me in the comment section down below. Um, Yeah, by the time we got to that point, I was about nine drinks in. (laughs) I got my beer set aside. Method acting. Um, Yeah. So... You know, obviously we're 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 setting setting and saddling up for our first major quest as a group. Uh, obviously, the first item I did the reason I remember the first item that we're going after is the sword. Uh, really, not having a whole lot of information for it though. So, what do you guys think? Like, what 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 are you hoping or expecting to see the, this coming episode? Now that we're leaving Varesh and the Lone Drow and the uh, the silly antics of the pit behind us, I think we're gonna stumble on into a dungeon, but I don't know. And there's that stumble again. <laughs> I I can only describe our forward movement as stumbling. That is the most accurate way we we are going to progress this. We are going, or you could describe progressing our story. Um, it's an accidental. We we stagger into success. There you go. Um, <laughs> well, you are being led. Much by a like drunk. that sentence. <laughs> you are being led by a drunk, so stumble does kind of fit anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know, based off of Muggsy's dimensions, it may be Waddle. There you go. Waddle. The Waddle crew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. The Weeble crew, because Weebles may wobble, but they don't fall down. (laughs) Oh, shit. But yeah, I mean, what about the rest of you guys? You feeling feeling the dungeons on the way, or are we going to run into some sidetracking quest, or... 
No, I, I think we're going to be diving, maybe not headfirst into a dungeon, but we might get sidetracked very briefly, but I definitely think episode four is going to be the entrance to the dungeon, to our first dungeon, and we'll, we're going to actually get a good combat oh. scenario going and just let let things run from there. Or at least that's how Anvil plans it. We might sidetrack ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's what I vote on. Uh, we're going to be headed for a dungeon, but we're going to find a way to really, really prolong getting there. <laughs> so, like, episode four is going to be on the way to the dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're halfway to the dungeon, yeah. I already see, I already see the episode's title now. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, longest bathroom break ever. <laughs> longest rest stop ever I see Anvil just putting fucking strip clubs all the way down the road and, and AON wait wait we gotta stop <laughs> I plead the fifth <laughs> he's not saying it's wrong <laughs> UA I do have to ask what kind of what flavor of sorcery are we dealing with um, well, <laughs> if, if anyone remembers from episode one, our benefactor asked if we had any connections to dragons, and oh, okay. I, you're, and you're I, a draconic sorcerer. I said no, because I personally have no real connections to dragons. That's just where the source of my power comes from. That's fine. Um, you probably don't. For so, sorcery-wise, you it can be generations down your line that you somehow have dragon something or other in you. But yeah, it it's a draconic bloodline dragon ancestor for me. Alright, that makes sense. Then yes, you might be able to take a step close to the front line without dying immediately. <laughs> but only One slightly. would hope. But only slightly. Well, here oh, like, <laughs> Like your second line fight. Don't don't worry, don't worry. There's a paladin there to save you, man. I, you can go up to the front. I'll take care of you. <laughs> Just pray like, that's not a two-headed reason... coin. You, you know, real quickly, Rudder. Before we finish this episode, I, I, I actually have a question for you. If your character does form a bond with anyone else in the group of a positive nature, like you and Muggsy actually form a nice kinship, are you going to uh, be more likely to heal him and less likely to listen to your coin, or are you doing the coin no matter what your relationship to anyone is? Um, the coin is completely gut-based. Like, if it's time to flip the coin, it's time to flip the coin. That that It, it could easily be flipped for, am I going to have a beer or a shot of whiskey, as well as it could be, am I going to heal or inflict damage on him? Well, that, that brings so up the that coin point. is, yeah. That's so, like, <laughs> is there, is, like, that's actually the one reason why I was thinking I might not be friends with you. Well, my relationship is just like, that right. coin fucking scares me. Yeah, well, you know, I really want to be the best of friends, but the coin kind of decides what's going on from one minute to the next. So, like, it, my best intentions can be fucked by the coin. You never know. But can or, they, is that something you're going to grow out of? Oh, Maybe. no, it's going to get worse, probably. Ah, fuck. <laughs> that's, that's, that was a question. Bugs is going to die, guys. Well, that, that was a question I was going to ask. With, uh, with him being a soldier, 
you know, a paladin soldier trained as a soldier, even though his coin is his Achilles heel, how would he handle a situation where it's like he wants to consult his coin about <laughs> healing Muggsy, for example? And if, coin, if it's preserving just, life for myself, I will always take the best interest. But if it's anyone else, me protecting or aiding or healing them or whatever, it's a coin flip. Right, but but, but what I'm okay. saying what I'm saying is is like you're getting ready to flip the coin and and say Ferran, for example, says put the coin away and do your job. Would would like a direct order counteract your need for the coin? I'd have to flip a coin on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> between the coin and Once the again, Muggsy's and gonna die, guys. It, it, it between. His coin and Aqua's chaos table were going to die and then be revived just to go yeah, through it all I, I over do, again. I, I do have revive as a skill, so if I do get you killed, I'll be like, ah, oh, fuck, man, and go ahead and revive uh, you, and then okay. we go again. You know, so what, yeah. hold on a second. Does revive require a coin toss? No, it doesn't because that is part of my uh, religious mantra. That oh, I, thank I do, God. I do have to follow that, yeah. <laughs> that whenever, whenever, whenever it comes to the opportunity of bringing back the dead, like that's the coolest fucking thing ever for a chaos agent. So, like, yeah, if you're dead, I'm going to bring you back just to see what happens next. Oh, God, no, no, no. He brings you a back. He brings you back, but there is the a coin. He, he brings you back, but there is a coin flip on whether it's restorative or necromancy. <laughs> yeah, I could bring, I could, I could bring back the dead or restore you. Yeah, one of the two. Yeah. I'm still gonna go with a swift punch to the face on either one. <laughs> At a certain point, it's muscle memory. Oh, good lord, that's scary. So I can't. E we can't even appeal to your military side on that shit. <laughs> no, it's part of my military side. Like that's that's drilled into me. I've I've like uh yeah I've, I've totally brainwashed myself that that's the way it is. Like Harvey Dent, that's just the way it is, man. Oh, this man. is gonna be fantastic. I can't wait for yeah. our first battle. Even though I know it's against what's best, like I still have to trust the coin. The coin's gonna tell me what to do. Well, all right, so I might blow all my money on health potions. Yeah, I think I. Well, I still need to talk to Anvil. I don't know how much money I've made from the bar. The money I have is from a couple months ago. The bar's been in operation for months. I should have more money than I have. <laughs> yeah, but based off of your drinking, I'm pretty sure you're you are quite literally drinking your profits away. <laughs> I call it breaking. That is even. a possibility. I'm I'm breaking even <laughs> as long as the yeah. bills are paid and the doors Which... are open. <laughs> Which, like, a bar run by a severe alcoholic breaking even, that's actually pretty good. Well, to be fair, too, there is a reason that, you know, Ferran's dad is the bartender. That's that's fair. <laughs> yeah, dad, dad probably keeps him in check on not ordering too many expensive shots or whatever. But, you know, breaking even on $2,000 is, you know, 35 shots. And breaking even on ten thousand dollars is uh, almost a hundred shots. So, just the more money you turn breaking even, the more shots you get. It's all right. <laughs> That's it. You know, but like I said, as long as the I'm a professional are... bartender. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. That's all oh, I know. As long as the bills are paid and the lights are on, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I live at the bar for God's sake, and I'm a ranger, so technically that's an upgrade. Because <laughs> normally I'm sleeping out in the wilderness. So, <laughs> so, like, I will be honest, 
I've played Muggsy in a number of of one shots. One full campaign, one campaign that died on the second play, on the second game. Every single time someone has owned a bar, one of the player characters have has acquired a bar. Every single time. Well, the the bar was a MacGuffin. Uh, Ferran owning the bar was a MacGuffin. That was Anvil and I talking about the fact of what happened in Varesh, and uh, in season one. And with him coming in and wanting to progress the story forward a couple months so that way he had a fresh slate to work with, it's like, well, with Ferran and Melwood being the returning characters, actually even at the time, Melwood wasn't even known he would return. Um, so with Ferran being the only returning character at that point, it's like, well, what would he have been doing all this time? Well, why doesn't he buy the bar that they were staying in and using that to help the people and using the money from the bar to help repair the town? So it was really a MacGuffin just to get the story st- started. I didn't want to own the bar for the sake of, hey, Ferran needs to get rich. Okay. <laughs> it was literally just created just to give us a starting point. I mean, that was that was straight up Muggsy's... Um life goal in the the first full campaign I played with him was like he wanted to settle down, he wanted to escape mob life and just kind of, you know, open a restaurant or a bar, kind of like um, wow, why am I blanking on it? Stallone. Rocky. Rocky owning an Italian restaurant. Okay. (laughs) But that was the end of his career, not during it. You never, you never, yeah. you never know. I mean, again, Ferran may not live to see the end of his story arc. <laughs> That's fair. In, in that case, can I have I your bar dibs. if you die? Called dibs already. Too late. <laughs> I was in the middle of asking you, little three foot turd. Speak can I just, fair. Can I just just get a bed bedroom up there? That's all I need. Just one room. I'll be cool. It's got to be painted bling, though, right? Yes, it, it will be Blaine. I don't know. That's, you know that's what? Not a good if idea. I own the bar, I will give that to you. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we can give you a Blaine room because, like, when you take off your armor and shit at night, you won't know where it is. <laughs> <laughs> be coming. Be coming down stark naked into the uh, common area. Has anybody seen my? Has clothes? anyone? <laughs> anyone seen my shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We are now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, I think we've chatted up and about this enough. Guys that are listening in, obviously catch uh, Chronicles of the Lost Realm live on twitch.tv slash soundsdiceygaming. And, of course, uh, Patreon supporters, you get the episodes released a week before their actual releases, so you get early access. Please, you are held to a standard. No spoilers for any of the other people. Uh, for everybody else, we release Chronicles of the Lost Realm every Saturday, and Campfire will follow every Sunday. So this episode will be seen on a Sunday. Uh, with that said, guys, why don't you tell them where they can find you if they want to talk to you, and of course, remind them that they could be joining Chronicles of the Lost Realm on Twitch TV at 7 p.m. Well, they won't hear it for this Saturday, but for the next step, uh, series... Let them know. <laughs> Fuck, I don't um, have to do all this. You, yeah, you pretty much can't find me most places on social media, so this is Dylan. Have a great night, everybody.
Uh, I'm Chris Rutter. I host uh, What's Your Effing Binge. You, you can find me literally everywhere you can find a podcast, and I'm uh, Xavier Zeus on Chronicles of the Lost Realm. I'm UA Blackwings, the player for Awin the Half-Elf Sorcerer. You can find me as host of Journey to the East podcast and co-host of Press A Gaming with Zephyr Zero, along with almost every other podcast here on Realm of the Mist Entertainment, and looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. And of course, guys, you know me, you know where I'm found, you know all the podcasts I'm on. Just go check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, wherever quality podcasts can be heard, and on YouTube. And of course, for this show and for Chronicles of the Lost Realm, go give some love to our YouTube channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming. Guys, mm-hmm. Have a good night, and we're going to see you in the Lost Realm.